1: I'm Justine Willis Toms. Today I'm hosting Father Francis Tizzo, and he's the author of Rainbow Body and Resurrection Spiritual Attainment, The Dissolution of the Material Body, and The Case of Kempo Acho. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe, Father Tizzo.
2: It's great to be here.
1: It's great to have you. In your background, you've done quite a lot of. Intercultural and interreligious dialogues. So, tell us what is the importance of those kinds of dialogues in these days?
2: I was with the Bishops' Conference in Washington, D.C. for five years, and it was a great privilege to work for them to continue the interreligious dialogues on the institutional level that my predecessor, John Borelli, had created over a 17-year period. But as you probably recall, I had learned so much at the feet of Brother David Steindelrast, who was truly one of the pioneers going back to 1966 and before in the Catholic Zen Dialogue. Uh, I tried to expand this dialogue and bring in conversation with Tibetan Buddhism, with, uh, with I- different traditions of Islam, uh, and some of the others. In fact, during my... My years in Washington, I began a dialogue which continues to this day with the Sikh community here in the United States, and uh, the idea here is that certainly there are issues that bring together different religions to reflect together on what it means to live in a modern society and to continue to identify with a great religious tradition. So there are institutional questions, there are practical questions, there are even legal questions about how to adapt to the situation of immigration for example, right? But beyond that, these dialogues had a catalytic effect. And the more I worked with the different religious communities, the more I became aware of the fact that if it was only a religious dialogue, there would be a kind of limitation there that was not really bearing fruit. It was great to share our spiritual experiences, to learn about one another's prayer and faith, but it was even more important to see how we could make a contribution, an effective and persuasive contribution to the society of our times, which includes many people who don't identify with a religious tradition at all. And we began to find ways and means for doing that. And now I'm trying to do some of the same work in Europe in this time of migration the people coming from the Middle East and from Africa disoriented in terrible need but also with a great many things to contribute i see a huge opportunity on the horizon and i'm trying to work with that having learned so much from these dialogues in the United States and in other places
1: so father tiso uh, what what would be some of the practical implications that you're going for in those dialogues?
2: On the one hand, in our dialogue, especially with the Buddhists, I think we've uh, encountered an intensification of our own understanding of our contemplative tradition. A lot of uh, history has gone on, flowed on uh, the last three or four centuries, the, the challenge of the Protestant Reformation, the challenge of the Enlightenment, the challenge of modernity, industrialization, so many factors that have weakened our understanding and even our faith in the possibility of human transformation through prayer and meditation, the elimination of monastic institutions that went on wholesale in revolutionary Europe, the destruction of great institutions that had handed on uh, not just cultural traditions, but real methods of prayer and inner healing. So we're now in a very weakened state. It's kind of like the body of Western civilization is not immunized against some of the great ills of human life we don't know how to cope with sorrow and death and loss and reverses we don't know how to rise from the dead you know in that good old ezekiel kind of way and we're learning it again from the contemplative traditions of india and china and central asia and i think that's a remarkable statement about human need for this dimension so that alone is a tremendous contribution but then it goes beyond that when you see young people who have risked their lives to get across the Mediterranean, and you, you don't see them as a problem, but you actually sit down and talk with them, and they tell you about their culture, their heritage, herbal medicine, their ups and downs in life already, their family life, and the things that they like and the things that they don't like about where they came from, their candor and their optimism, you know that it's a shot in the arm. And the fact that we can dialogue about spiritual matters as well as just plain getting through the day and earning a living is one of the ways that I think we're going to change the face certainly of Europe and maybe even America. Our societies need a shot in the arm that is both filled with optimism and committed to spirituality.
1: I'm reminded of the introduction of a new book by Krista Tippett. Her new book is called Becoming Wise An Inquiry into the Mystery and Art of Living. She had been in Germany before the fall of the wall and then after the fall of the wall when Germany became reunited. And she said something that was very provocative to me. She said in her experience there was a spiritual enthusiasm that came from the people who had very little, the Mm. East Germans, but they seemed to have a a spiritual enthusiasm of some sort as compared to the Western Germans who had all this material goodness Mm. and all these advantages, but seemed to be bereft of a kind of spiritual underpinning that would hold them up. Do you have any comment about that?
2: And it's all to be admired that, considering what a draconian and oppressive regime there was in East Germany, that anyone would have survived with their spirit intact at all. Yes. But maybe precisely because the, the only way to survive was through inner depth. Maybe that's what they got. They found a way to survive, and survival doesn't just mean having something to eat. But it also means being a human being in spite of everything that happens, and I've learned that talking to some of these young Africans, uh, you know, they have not gone through an easy experience. And this
1: is in in, in Italy, in Italy right. you know, Where they've, they these are immigrants coming yeah, coming, coming across, across the Medi-
2: Mediterranean, yeah, and being plucked out of the water, you know, by yes. the Italian Navy, and then dumped into a hotel, you know, which is more or less a soft core prison, you know, and now we're working with them, language skills, but also uh, I've begun to work with some of the young men and women. Some of them are Christians, and so they come to the church, participate, sing in the choir. We've done some baptisms recently, uh, but also physical work, because there's nothing like physical work to bring people together. So uh, recently, for example, we were building terraces in my garden, and the joy was palpable. Get out of that hotel, get out of that prison, breathe fresh air, see the flowers, and plant, you know, build yes. for the future. And it was really great to be, uh, be with them. Uh, my neighbors also were starting to talk about it afterwards, that Father Francis is out there moving cement blocks around. <laughs> Pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, but we had a great time. And it was really interesting to see how African men work. There's a rhythm. Even if they're not singing, sometimes they're humming, but they're, yes. there's a rhythm to their work that is uh, really a beautiful thing to behold. Uh, moving those blocks on their shoulders, yes, and yes. just you know, and yes. then afterwards sharing about that. you know what does that feel like? And
1: yes, uh, what would you have to say about um how we're being educated in religion today? What would you have to say Oh, about is that, that a question? Oh. <laughs> Justine. Oh, I can see
2: you spark on that oh. one. I was teaching uh, American students. I hope some of them are listening. <laughs> <laughs> American students uh, in a program in Rome was so disappointed at what they were bringing to the table. Many of them seemed to have been brainwashed into thinking religion is about ideas. Religion is a carrier of ideas, but religion is something you live it's a way of life. Uh, it's something physical. Uh, it's ritual. It's the fragrance of certain foods in certain times of the year. Uh, every religion speaks in those terms. I had my Buddhist friend come and speak to them. I had my uh, Tunisian Muslim scholar friend come in. And he said the same thing. I had a rabbi come in, same story, you know. In fact, the rabbi in Rome gave the same speech at a big conference at the Gregorian University last uh, October. The fragrances of the Shabbat are what make you a Jew. It was beautiful, and it's true. And now that we've had Easter, you know, in Italy, who can imagine Easter without pastiera, which is a wonderful pie made with sprouted wheat and Orange liqueur, Oh <laughs> right? Ooh, the house yum. is filled with this fragrance. That's religion. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do a dialogue of religion and you share food, amazing things can happen. We know about the women's dialogue in Chicago, which has been going on for years. Muslim, Christian, and Jewish women who come together, share a lunch, and conversation. And that works.
1: So I'm getting it's not just of the head and the mm. intellect. It's an embodiment of your faith and, and the receiving of grace in some way.
2: That's right. And isn't it interesting that that works on the family level, right, on a community level? But it also directly ties into the kind of yogic practices that we're talking about in this book, you know, bringing the light into your body and transforming your whole life.
1: It's beautiful. It's really important in these times because it gives us such hope for the future too. It 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 pulls us out of despair. We get so much information. We're filled with data and much of it is either entertainment or devastation. And and this is an antidote to that. Mm.
2: It's really crucial. It's kind of like uh, people talk about biodiversity and the fear uh, that many species will be extinguished, you know, will become extinct. And as a result, actually, since all the species are interconnected on our planet, uh, if you lose one set of species, you might lose a whole lot of others. And the same thing seems to apply to religions and cultures. If we lose them, uh, we lose something of our humanity, we lose that sense of being connected. You know, even where identity depends on living a particular faith and a particular way of life, that doesn't necessarily mean being separate from others around you. That knowing who you are is not necessarily the uh, instrument of division, it's the instrument of just being who. One is, in one's family, in one's heritage, being proud of it. But then, strangely enough, if you're really grounded, you can relate to other people. We saw this in the life of Thomas Merton. We've seen it in Brother David's life experience, 90 years of sharing with others. My own experience in, in Europe, America, and Asia. There are so many lessons to be learned by knowing who you are. And that finding that knowing who you are opens you to others because you're confident. I'm sure I'll find things about you that I don't know just knowing myself. But knowing myself puts me in a position to know you. Uh, it's well, it's, I, I, it's, it's I, true love. <laughs>
1: exactly, and I just get the idea of planting all pine trees. You know, that forest is not going to be mm. as healthy as a diversity of mm. trees, let's say, of like the
2: rainforest. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just as there's an ecosystem for biology, there's an ecosystem for consciousness. And it includes our embodiment. Uh, there's a continuity there. And the other thing is, after all, uh you know, nobody can sit down and write down everything that's going on, even in this interview today. All the little interactions, all of the little body language that people won't see on the radio, right? The continuity of experience is very, very rich and it moves fast. Words cannot limit it or encompass it, but you can live it. And the more you practice the contemplative disciplines and the more you appreciate the beauty of diversity, the more you're able to notice that flow and live with it and find it a tremendous source of energy. I was just reading the, the story of a an eccentric but very famous British psychiatrist whose name escapes me now, but who was involved with the Tavistock movement early on. And uh, he said, you know, when I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, I just feel like shouting, hooray, hooray, hooray. Now, this is a psychiatrist who was famous for working with the most difficult cases and the most violent and the most depressed people. But he had that gumption You know, that that inner force, that life force that shouts hooray, you know, in the face of everything. And I'll have to tell you, I'm so grateful. I, I mean, glad to be here saying these things. But as a priest, we work with people who are dying, who are depressed, who are broken, who don't know where to turn. And one of the great privileges of this way of life is to be able to take that all in and bring people to joy and then return home and through prayer and through sane and balanced living to absorb it and transform it, even in ourselves. What a great blessing. This is living gratefully, just like Brother David says. Yes. Living gratefully. Uh, And that really does give a human being the force to keep on keeping on. All right. And we all need that. We need it really badly.
1: Oh, Father Tiso, thank you so much for sharing all this wisdom with us today.
2: Well let's let's hope it lights a fire.
1: <laughs> May it be so. I've been here with uh, Father Francis Tiso and he's the author of Rainbow Body and Resurrection Spiritual Attainment, The Dissolution of the Material Body in a Case of Kempo Acho. If you'd like to know more about the work of Father Tiso, you can go to his website, Francis Tizo. and he spells his name F-R-A-N-C-I-S-T-I-S-O-T-I-S-O.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Café. Please do join us again.
0: You've been listening to the New Dimensions Café. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.